0: You don't even know. Oh, I class, nigga. This shit sound crazy. Flash it on the. This shit like You know what I'm saying? This down on the pair of shoes, you don't even know. This down on the pair you don't even know. Just hair being no cut. you don't even know. I came up from bottom. you don't even know. My niggas all right with me, you don't even know it I got killers with me right now, you don't even know it This million dollar watch, nigga, you don't even know it Got a million dollar clip, nigga, you don't even know it. Hey, that monster truck, sit tall as fuck, so big, can't even tall it. Don't like snakes, keep my grad cut so low, can't even more it. Chip done, period, high glow, no, no, we don't do more. It ain't PJ, no rose, safe for me, host don't even pour it. Spent song time for it. Putting down Michael Kors. Always on, like the refrigerator unplugged, then oh, you know it. AP and that what with a bright lean when on am Got a masterpiece and a 41 millimeter, you ain't even know it. Keep the 45 in my pocket, I ain't gon' show it till I have to pop it, then you gon' know it. Damn, who shot you, they don't even know it. Hawks gang, fuck it, Floyd. TVC, front row it. Rock, go to Dunn, CEO it. Ain't got a rapper, you know it. Nah. down the of shoes, you don't even know it. This down all the right, way, you don't even know. Just had a me million dollar car, you don't even know. I came up from bomb, you don't even know. My niggas alright with me, you don't even know. Got killers with me right now, you don't even know. This million dollar watch, nigga, you don't even know. Got a million dollar crib, nigga, you don't even know. Hey, that nigga show you that re-rock.
1: Hey, it's Jose Gallison. You're watching No Way Jose. You can find me on the No Way Jose YouTube channel, all the major audio podcasters, and Odyssey as well. Credit to my friend, my Twitter homie, at Jolly on McVeigh. He's the guy who put that edit together. Surprisingly, it's one of the first times it wasn't a Jinx edit, Uh, although Jinx is the fucking man as well. uh, I think uh, Jolly, I would assume, probably kind of. Fall in his footsteps for that one i know he's a big fan of jinx as well so i'm sure he'll be pleased to hear me you know kind of put lump the two together but today uh if you guys can tell by the uh to- by the intro it's clearly jfk oriented i'm doing a jfk series we're starting off and my guest is matt crumpton uh i do want let you guys know what the deal is uh so with the how this works with the Patreon and all. Uh, right now I, I'm not doing the public live streams anymore. I stopped doing those. These are only private live streams. I still do the public ones for things like four pony boys, which next week, which I guess by the time it comes out, will already be, uh, it already have happened, but I have Shane Cashman, who's a journalist, uh, for Tim Cass. He will be on the four pony boys with uh, me, top lobster, uh, uh, Clint Russell and Reed might show up. I haven't got a confirmation. Depends on what work schedules like that day. But uh, you know, uh, go check that out. If you're watching this publicly, you can it'll already be out, so you can check it out and see if you like it. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what we'll talk about, but it should be a fun uh, episode. That's he's an interesting fella. But if you want to be able to have access to the that content, be able to watch the live streams, or just watch it after and have the content in the meantime, because I do roughly uh, what I'll do is I'll put it behind the paywall, and about a week or so later, I'll put it up publicly. Uh, if you want to access to it, it's patreoncom so no way jose 2020 The lowest level is two bucks. The highest level is twenty. The twenty is my sponsors. Sponsors are Mikkel Thorpe of the Expat Money Show. Uh, he also does it as a business, so go check him out. If you want to get the hell out of Dodge, he's your guy. If, if you want to get a passport to another country, have dual citizenship, whatever, he's your dude. Uh, he also does a show, like I said, the Expat Money Show. I have Jeremy, who has an Etsy store, Etsy.com, shop, slash Raising Liberty. You can follow him on Twitter, at Jeremy Rhymes. I have Toad, who's my co-host on Tower Gang. You can follow him, uh, I think it's at Tower Gang Toad. Uh, you know go check that out we'll be on uh TimCast uh on january 17th which i'm not sure if uh yeah this should drop before then so uh yeah it, it, you know make sure to be there to support that it should be fun i think we're sending clinton top and we're still up there about a third might get fat dave in there uh yeah i also have zach overacker uh and you can follow him on twitter at z o v e r a c k z or zo i guess is the way you could say it uh but yeah, also toplobster.com. You can get my my merch, you can get tower gang merch, you can get you know a bunch of other shows merch as well. He's kind of he's really cornering the market there. He also has stuff that's not show related, so I highly suggest go check it out. A lot of good stuff. Uh, he's a man. So use Jose at checkout for 10% off. But uh yeah, let's go ahead and get into it and get Matt in here. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on? Hey, pleasure to have you. Uh we'll start off. Uh, can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Uh, Let them know about yourself, maybe give them your pedigree if you have one or just, you know, what kind of drew you into JFK, et cetera, et cetera. And then we'll go from there.
2: Yeah. Thanks, Jose. Uh, My name is Matt Crumpton. I am an attorney by trade. Uh, I worked at a big law firm for about three years out of law school, got laid off, uh, started my own firm representing musicians and small business owners. And then uh, after that, my parents and I bought a a calzone franchise called Uh, D.P. Dough. There's there's one in Tampa right now, actually. Um, And uh, I was the CEO of the D.P. Dough Calzone franchise for seven years, sold that, uh, bought some other stuff, bought a burrito chain and a a campground and uh, working on opening a music venue in Columbus, Ohio. And the other thing that I do is uh, I'm a deep researcher on the JFK assassination and I just started the solving JFK podcast after about 20 years of diving into it and two years of writing scripts and outlines and researching so that I had like citations and stuff. so that's that's kind of the, the general background. how I got into it um, I was a student teacher at a, well I mean like everybody in the world you see you know you hear about it as a kid I mean, unsolved mysteries or whatever it is. And then you go, wait a minute, they killed the president. They have a video and his body's going back into the left, but they say shot shot from the back. That's weird. And then wait a minute, the guy that they say killed him, somebody killed that guy the next day. That's and then that guy like got sudden cancer or whatever in prison and died. Like it's just it didn't add up is immediately. I was like, hmm, I don't know about that. Um And then so so uh, then the, the way I got into it more, it was when I was a senior in college, I was an education major. So I got to student teach and I was stu- my last semester in college. I was student teaching 1960 uh, to present American history sophomores. So it was like so easy, the same class, four times in a row. Um, and so I was told I could do a week like deep dive on a subject for a week. And I did the JFK assassination because I had the most videos. So I just did videos. I just like got hammered like every night before. Yeah, I was 21 years old. What are you gonna do? Um, But then in my hungover stupor, I'm like, "This is actually pretty interesting because 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 people say such uh, they say things that don't make sense. You know what I mean? Like, and and they're all so intense uh, about it. You know, so 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 anyway. um, But uh, that that stoked my interest just in knowing, like, seeing kind of like we were talking about uh, before, like. The depth of the JFK assassination is so cloudy. There's so many roads. That was when I got the first view of like, oh, my gosh, theres I gave up because it was, you know, there's the jungle of who it could be was too much. And I just couldn't figure it out. So I was like, yeah, there's something there, but I just don't know what it is. And I don't want to say the wrong thing. So uh, and then E. Howard Hunt's confession kind of hooked me back a little bit. I read in Rolling Stone. Um, and that was just weird. It's, you know, I mean, obviously when someone who's from the CIA tells you, here's what we did, you gotta be a little skeptical that it's in good faith. Um, but you know, interesting nonetheless. And then, uh, when I think I I read a book called JFK and the unspeakable, um, in 2001, like right after it came out. Um, and that's when I was like, I was, oh, this is a conspiracy. It's a thousand percent a conspiracy done with certainty. So that, that, that's when I was like talking. I'm like, hey, guys, what are we, uh, you know, I wake up my wife in the middle of the night. Let me tell you about Ralph Yates. You know what I mean? Like it's crazy stuff. And then I went on the Facebook groups just to try to like find more like like minded people. Let's like, let, let's dive. Let's drill in the last few details and solve this. And I just got shellacked by, by everybody in the world. He was like, what are you talking about? You psycho clearly the Warren report got it right. Oswald acted alone, this fact, this fact. This... So it, there were so many facts against Oswald that i never knew. Like if you come up in the, like you watch the movie JFK, obviously that was another big thing, the movie JFK, you watch that. And then you go, well, well, it's obviously a conspiracy. There's literally no reasonable person who could think it's it's not a conspiracy, but there is evidence now is that evidence manufactured it is a different conversation, but evidence exists in the record. You know, there's, there's, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but, uh, but yeah, so, so anyway, that's a long-winded answer to how I got involved.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that's a that's – a, that first name, what would you say, Hunt? That was the guy who admitted to being one of the fellow assassins, right, And that one of them? I,
2: I remember I, I did a little he bit said, of looking into it. He said that his role was a bench warmer mm-hmm. that day. He was there in Dallas, um, and he drew a uh, – basically he, he drew on a piece of paper what the hierarchy was, and he put LBJ at the top. And then he put Cord Meyer, uh, who was, I think, uh, the deputy director of plans. Or I don't want to say the wrong thing exactly, um, but uh, I'm not on that at this moment in time. <laughs> but but at any at any rate, Cord uh, Meyer, and then LBJ, uh, Bill Harvey, who a lot of people that's he's been sort of a suspect for a long time. Um, and then uh, he said. Uh, fr- uh, French shooter, grassy knoll. Mm-hmm. So, so basically he, he said that the CIA was involved and uh, efe- essentially uh, E. Howard Hunt's story is the same story as uh, Rolf Moat Larson, this guy who's been making rounds. He was on Crystal and Sagar, um, And it's basically the story. We're kind of getting into semantics a little bit. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and what some of these arguments are. I mean, some people say it's a limited hangout, but I mean, if, if the whole thing's pretty much hanging out, how limited is it? So anyway, um, like what the argument is, it wasn't the CIA as an institution, and it wasn't even the former leadership of the CIA. It was a little uh, side operation that got turned, you know, without anyone's knowledge. And the real dispute there is, is Alan Dulles. Mm-hmm. The real dispute is to what extent was Dulles. LBG, uh, e, e. Howard Hunt doesn't mention Dulles, and he doesn't mention himself. That's kind of that. That's that's. Those are two reasons to, you know, suspect yeah. him, uh, or, or or to to question the complete veracity of what he's saying. Anyway.
1: Yeah, I think at this point, like uh, with the JFK thing, I think it's borderline on un, borderline undeniable to some extent. There was a cover up by the CIA. Now, does that mean they actually perpetrated it, or did they do it themselves? Were they in cahoots with other people to do it? Uh, who knows? Cause like uh, one example I frequently bring up when we talk about, cause people will see a cover up and they'll jump to, well, obviously the, these people did it. Um, now, one example is like nine 11. Uh, now maybe the CIO was involved or the FBI, I forget which, I mean, I kind of conflate the two so often, but I, I know for a fact, if you look into it, there was a ton of weird craziness among like Saudis where we did stuff where we covered up records. We moved Saudis out of the country we did things to be able to kind of cover up their involvement to whatever extent it may be, and but that doesn't necessarily mean they did it. It was obviously a geopolitical thing. There was, at the very least, it was a geopolitical thing. There was like, hey, these are our close allies that we don't want to, you know, do it. Like I know me and Clint, uh, we we talked the other day, and we were just kind of you know shoot the shit, talk about it. And like say for example, the Russians killed JFK for whatever reason. Let's mm-hmm. say that's the case.
2: It could very people think that's what happened
1: yeah it could be very well that like say the Russians did it all by themselves I could hundred percent see a scenario where the CIA covered that up because they for whatever reason did mm-hmm. not want to accelerate whatever you know was going on you know geopolitically with Russia to that extent it's a possibility I'm not saying yeah. that's what happened at all but I'm just it's- saying saying a cover-up necessarily means that person did it is not doesn't logically follow but it does make you look bad for sure.
2: There's a conversation between Lyndon Johnson and uh, I believe it's Richard Russell. Uh, it might have been Earl Warren himself, but um, it's, it's recorded. Uh, and basically, Johnson talks about uh, what he had been told about Oswald going to Mexico City and meeting with the Russians and meeting with the Cubans. And basically, the I now look now we're getting into if people are hitting me up with uh, that's actually bullshit, blah, blah blah. I'm just giving the o- overview. So the devil's in the details, and you got to provide your receipts. And uh, you know we'll probably be getting to this with receipts at some point. But just the, the the overview is that Johnson told everybody in the Warren Commission that Russia did it. It was a conspiracy. It's Oswald with Russia. We have to cover that up because if not. He he said, "I want to take this out of the public arena, uh, uh, into and and get it away from a situation where we could have 40 million Americans dead in 30 seconds." Yeah. So he's basically saying, like, the American people are going to demand nuclear retaliation, so we have to cover it up because then they're going to retaliate against us, and you know.
1: Yeah, which I mean, it makes sense, but it doesn't mean the CIA actually had a hand. Now, my thinking is they likely did, but I don't know. Um, you know, the, the same thing kind of applies with uh, OKC. It's like I, I think it's like undeniable as well, even to a, a greater degree with OKC that the feds covered up. It's it's uh, you'd be I, I think you're just a fool if you say otherwise, honestly, if you understand the details of OKC. Now, whether they th- like if I was to say I'd say it's like 100% it's a 100 percent chance it's a cover up it's like probably an 80 plus percent chance they had a hand in it, to be honest, is my opinion, after looking through all of it. Uh, but but first, I can't say that for with certitude for sure.
2: I read the, the first maybe 150 pages of uh, Aberration in the Heartland of the Real. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to dive back into that. I got sidetracked on some JFK stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there's there's a lot there. I would encourage people to look into it because you know i'm sure you get accused of this all the time uh i do as well um and you know being a lawyer i'm trying really hard to to keep my foot in the world of credibility here <laughs> but i think if people look into these issues and they understand what the primary sources are this is not like you know some geo city's website or like you know some someone's friend's cousin's uncle we're talking about fbi reports mm-hmm. you know same thing as the jfk assassination We're talking about twenty six volumes of evidence for the most part. Yes, there's some stuff after the fact, and then there's evidence that came from other investigations. But, um, you know, obviously, for various reasons that we're all aware of uh, there, you know, there are efforts to to paint any uh, dissenting views of, of current affairs or history as being crazy, kooky and unacceptable. So. Yeah. We should fight that, which you're fighting the good fight on that. Yeah.
1: I, I actually surprisingly have – I don't think I've ever gotten any pushback whatsoever. I have – it's it's funny, like like Richard has, like my guess, and I'm sure maybe you will as well, but I don't think I ever try to put on an air that I'm that guy. I'm just yeah. a dude talking, and I usually do try to couch things I say and like, well, here's sure. an alternative explanation. This could be that. These are just my thoughts. I'm speculating, what have you. But at the end of the day, if you come at me and be like, well, it says this, I'm like, I, I don't care. <laughs> I'm not the guy that's going to be like, "Well, here's this source." I'm just going to go, "Okay." <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, that's that, me. But... right.
2: Yeah. The question but... is, what could you prove in court? You know, what do you have evidence to if you make a, a claim that's a factual proposition, you should be able to have some evidence to back it up. And then someone can disagree with you, and they can you can argue about what the evidence means and what the inferences are about regarding that evidence. There you go.
1: Yeah, I see, I guess I see myself as like a go-between between like guys like you and Richard who do really make it take painstaking effort to make sure you have sources and back it up because you know if someone wants to get upset about they can go to you but i mean i I think it's pretty clear i'm the guy that's just kind of you know i i'm like the the go-between is the way i see it so i mean if if you want to get upset with me i i just just don't care but let's go ahead and get into it i want to start off with we're going to just do basics this episode because like I do think a mo- pe- mo- lot of people, surprisingly, just don't even know the basics, uh, probably even myself included to some extent. So I, I want to start off with I think the best place to start off with is just what is the official narrative, generally speaking, of what happened? And you can take that as far as you want.
0: Uh, mm-hmm. But
1: generally speaking, I just want to give people an idea of what event we're talking about, what happened, uh, you know, uh, kind of the, sure. the, the course of events.
2: Right. Okay, so uh, the, this is the official story. Uh, Lee Harvey Oswald got a job at the Texas School Book. To, okay, let me start a little bit earlier. Lee Harvey Oswald uh, was in the Marines. He then defected. Uh, he left the Marines and defected to Russia. Uh, he was there for, uh, I don't know, a little over a year or so. He came back to the United States He uh, lived in Dallas where he uh, had, you know, he lived in New Orleans and Dallas where he had uh, just some different uh, day day labor jobs. Basically, he worked in a map making company that required a a security clearance incidentally. Um, But uh, then a month or about a month before the assassination, uh, five weeks, I think, before the assassination, he got a job at the Texas School Book Depository building um and uh, he had a uh, a wife that he brought back from russia marina and he had a two-year-old daughter uh, at the time uh and a he had a two-week old uh, on the day of the assassination the two or three weeks old she was an an infant um so he, he had two girls um and anyway uh the story is that he's working at the School Book Depository and uh, Kennedy's coming in town and his motorcade's going to go straight through the middle of Dallas. And that's where Dealey Plaza is. Uh, and the School Book Depository is basically on the corner of Dealey Plaza. Uh, if Dealey Plaza is like an upside down triangle with the tip at the bottom and you know the, the, the flat part at the top, Dealey Plaza will be on the left side. Uh, and anyway, so Oswald, the story is that he shot from the sixth floor, three shots, uh, and with a manlicher Carcano bolt action rifle. And the first shot, uh, struck, uh, uh, the first shot missed this, uh, and hit the curb hit bystander James Tagg, uh, the, the curb kicked up and nicked him. Um, and he was standing under, like under the overpass, uh, one street over and then the second shot is the so-called magic bullet uh, that they, the story is it came through. Kennedy's uh, hit, hit the top of his uh, back, the bottom of his of his uh, head, basically top of his neck, um, middle of his neck. I, no, no, actually it's the one at the bottom of his neck. Uh, and then it uh, the story is that he's leaning forward is what they say. It hit, hit, hit his neck and then it comes comes through comes out his throat where the the throat wound was um and and then goes into Connolly's uh, back uh sh- shatters one of Connolly's ribs then goes into Connolly's right wrist and then ends up being embedded in his left thigh um so it's you know uh anyway well, I'm sorry there's so many rows to go I'm like well oh, let me talk yeah. about that anyway so just continue on the the basic story okay so that's the second shot. Third shot is the headshot. Uh, okay. So then Kennedy goes to Parkland hospital and he, uh, he's pronounced dead at one o'clock. Um, Oswald subsequently, subsequently gets on a bus. Then he gets off the bus cause it's in traffic. And then he gets on a taxi, takes that taxi to his rooming house, which is a whole different story. Why did he have a rooming house? I don't know that's weird. Um, and then, uh, he's there for just a few minutes, you know, five minutes or so, give or take, and he leaves his, the lady that runs his rooming house, saw him. She gives great testimony in the Warren report and uh, the Warren commission volumes. And anyway, so then uh, uh, the story is that he then leaves, uh, walks down through Oak cliff uh, shoot, kills officer JD Tippett um, and then goes to hide in the Texas theater where he's arrested. He then goes into the, he's taken him to the police station and uh, he's there for questioning for a few days, although there's no tape recordings of the interviews. Um, th- there are at least uh, interrogation transcripts or interrogation written notes. But um, And then that Sunday morning, he's taken to be transferred. He's scheduled to be transferred, and he's shot and killed by Jack Ruby. So that's that's the, uh, the general story.
1: All right. It, I do want to take a moment to dovetail with the official narrative because I feel like at a certain point it almost takes – takes two forks because I, I think a lot of people focus on, um, you know, when it goes, you know, it, Oswald, what happened to him, Jack Ruby. Now I do want to just kind of get the a summation of the official narrative of, you know, from the perspective of like JFK and like his motorcade and like the people with him, what happens at that point? Cause I know there's things with like the, you know, where he ends up in the hospital, et cetera, et cetera. I, I think you probably know where I'm getting at. Cause I just want to let people know, that's I think so I'm sure we'll probably dig into that at some point but I just want to make sure we're kind of setting the stage here before we get into it later
2: yes he goes to uh, so he's at he's taken to parkland hospital he's pronounced dead there are many doctors who see him there uh, the testimony and the written medical evidence of those doctors uh, initially contradicted uh, the final evidence but we can talk about that later um and uh, uh so then, then his bot. So then, uh, LBJ is sworn in on the plane. This is where you have the famous picture of Jackie standing next to him in the blood soaked, uh, you know, suit. And uh, the guy I forget his name, but the guy smiling and winking at him on the plane. I if you've ever seen that picture, it's I pretty didn't. creepy. Picture <laughs> of this guy winking and smiling at him as he's being sworn in, and she's just sitting there just covered in blood. Um, but anyway, so then th- the plane left. Uh, there's the whole thing of, of, you know, the David Lifton theory of, um, you know, where there, were there two caskets and the, the timing of the arrival and all that. Um, and there's, there, there is some stuff there, you know, to that, uh, to be honest with you, I've, I've done the research on it and it is coming up this season, but, um, it's uh, the medical evidence is going to be six episodes when we do it. It's it's real, real dense. There's, there's a lot of material. But I, but what I remember from that, the, the whole body swapping conversation, yes, there is some evidence for it, but it's it's not definitive and it's not necessary. It's not, it's not a necessary. It's just like an extra side. It's like a red herring to me. So it's kind of yeah. like one more thing that if that's true, that's crazy. But you don't have to believe that's true to think there's a conspiracy. Yeah.
1: Well, all right, now I want to focus on the characters. I think in my head, there's three main characters, really. I guess maybe you could say a fourth, like there, or, or maybe Dulles or something. But I think that the three main people really care about is obviously Kennedy, uh, Oswald, Ruby. Uh, so I want to start with Kennedy. I know it sounds super simple, but like I said, we're setting the stage here. I want to go with who was Kennedy, and then I kind of want to lead into kind of like what kind of enemies has he made and who would have motivations to want him dead. And, and, and yeah. I, obviously I'm assuming in the, who is Kennedy will probably get an idea of maybe the kind of, of feathers he's ruffled,
2: you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, Kennedy is, you know, he comes from a wealthy family. His dad was involved in, uh, in the alcohol business, uh, during the prohibition era. Uh, his dad was later, his dad wanted to be involved in politics. His dad was ambassador to England, I believe under FDR, but I could be mistaken. um, his brother was the big guy that was supposed to be the, uh, the political star, his older brother, uh, and his older brother was killed in World War II. Um, so, so he ran for, uh, he, he was in the Navy. He was a uh, PT 109 a big, uh, uh, movie about his, um, you know, basically his, his, uh, boat was attacked and he, you know, saved a lot of people on his ship. Anyway, this is the this is the story that's been passed down, the legend that's been passed down. Um, and uh, anyway, yeah. So uh, he he was a, a senator. He was he was a congressman. Then he was a senator. Um, and you know, so he ran in 1960 versus Richard Nixon, and uh, he was more hawkish than Nixon during the election. So like history is nuanced. You know, people want to be able to go, aha. Kennedy was a hawk, so he wasn't going to get out of Vietnam. Well, not, no, he—that's there is proof he was going to get out of Vietnam, but he was also trying to win an election. Yeah, sometimes don't court. mean shit. <laughs> right, and what's funny is Nixon, and he and he was like, you know, basically saying that Nixon was too weak on Cuba. Little did he know that they had the Bay of, Bay of Pigs cooking up. Like Nixon was getting ready to invade, and he's like, "Shut up." like stop you're giving it away so so yeah so anyway uh kennedy was um by no means was he like i would you know he wasn't tulsi gabbard or whoever he wasn't like coming in like no regime change wars or whatever he was he was a pretty fairly run-of-the-mill politician at that point when he got elected um now by the time he was assassinated i think he was materially different uh than than anything else we've really seen. I mean, Trump is a different conversation, okay? But I don't want to compare Trump to Kennedy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, anyway, um so okay, so so that's who Kennedy. So yeah, I mean, obviously there's we could talk about the beginning of his, you know, obviously you've got the, you've got the Bay of Pigs. Mm-hmm. Uh so let's talk about the enemy. All right. So and while also talking about Kennedy at the same time. All right. So one of the first things that happens is is the Bay of Pigs. Uh and and, the, and basically Kennedy was uh given a plans that had already been drafted uh, that Nixon was going to do. And and this this happened in April of 1961, just months after he had been uh, inaugurated. Real quick, and Nixon was running for reelection, correct? Correct. No, so well, that, no, Nixon was, a, he was a vice president under Eisenhower oh, okay, Just in yeah, term, okay. two, term, two really. terms as vice okay. president.
1: So it was like in his head almost assumed he was going to get it, so he had drafted these plans. I right. And
2: it, yeah, yeah. Eisenhower really liked to play golf. Like yeah. he's like I like Ike, but Ike likes golf. Yeah. <laughs> like he gave his whole portfolio to Nixon, pretty much. So anyway, um, well, especially when it comes to Cuba. Mm-hmm. So so uh, all right, Bay of Pigs happened. So Bay of Pigs uh, is pitched to Kennedy, and and he basically says like, okay, that's fine. We you know the idea is Cuban exiles uh, are going to fight uh, to get their homeland back, and we're going to facilitate that, right? Just like mm-hmm. the same thing, in America. Oh, we're going to provide the weapons, but we're no boots on the ground, right? Yeah. Um and and the whole conversation was around air support right and so kennedy said that's a that's a line i'm I'm not going to do that because if we have air support it's going to be clear that america the united states did it it's an escalation it's, it could lead to nuclear war like that's a line i'm not willing to cross he told alan dulles that dulles nonetheless went forward with the plan everybody who was involved in the operation believed there was going to be air support the whole time it was there was no conversation as to you know, well, it depends on if the president approves it. was, it was, Hey, no, this is approved. So it came time to make that decision. They're, they're losing. And they said, what's the call, Mr. President? No, I told you, you can't do it. No, I said, no, we're not doing it. So that, so all these people died or, or were captured uh, in the Bay of pigs. And that made the Cuban exile community hated him. So there's your, there's your enemy. Number one, Cuban exile community specifically the Cuban exile community that was already working with the CIA uh, to uh, through various uh, operations, Operation Mongoose and others, to pretty much foment discord in uh, in Cuba. I have a Jimmy Dore shirt that says fomenting discord. So, I To, anyway. to, to um, be
1: clear, real quick on this Cuba thing, because a lot of people try to make the case that the Cuban government wanted to have him dead. Now, sure, sure. I, w- I would say this sort of restraint would actually show – uh, a show of good faith in my opinion uh, on the part of towards them to some extent uh, or, or maybe willingness to work or not to go too far or not to cross that line. So I know a lot of people trying to make the case that maybe Castro, uh, I mean, I guess maybe I'm jumping ahead a little bit. I, I just, I, I find, I struggle to believe that Castro himself would want, would necessarily want to assassinate JFK. Cause I think he, he probably would see this guy's not willing to cross this line. So why would I, this would only accelerate things further,
2: you know. Two two points on that. Uh, first of all, um, Castro at the time uh, of the assassination was having uh, back channel conversations uh, with Kennedy to to have a, sort of a new piece. They were, I mean, they were getting really really close, and it was things were going really well. Um, and the second point is uh, the any conversation about. Cuba, the government of Cuba being involved in the assassination, just like the Russian government being involved, is linked to information that's generated by the Central Intelligence Agency. So so that that is the so that's that's the official story. So so it's an onion peel. Okay, this is I think this is Mark Lane's thing. So, uh, you know. And, and, and again, if you're listening, if you listen to the podcast, I, I I'm transparent that I lean towards there being a, a conspiracy, but I think I got to show receipts. So if I, I'm still open to changing my mind as I go along, if someone can give me a receipt that changes my mind, that's cool. I'm down, but we go issue by issue anyway. um, The, uh, so what was that? What was the topic? I was just about. Oh, Sorry.
1: we were talking about Cuba just now, but I mean, if you want to go back to enemies in general, people who would want to. JF, could it be dead? Uh, We we can keep moving that uh, moving that way. Uh, You know, that's you know, if you want. Oh, oh, onion peel. I was talking onion peel. Onion peel.
2: Okay. So here's what it is. Uh, There's the outside layer of the onion, okay, and that's this. This is from Mark Lane. There's the outside layer, and that's for the general public, this the low information people that believe the news. They don't. They don't need any more information. Uh, The history books, right? And that story is Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone, okay. Then there's the next layer of the onion which is that's that's for insiders who, who know that that's like they think that's a ridiculous story, but they want to know what actually happened. Right. And that is that uh, it was Oswald. Uh, but, no, it was a conspiracy. But the conspiracy is that it was Oswald with the Russians and the Cubans. And that's what that, that that's the whole point of Mexico City. The whole point of Mexico City is, you know, look, if I, if it was a conspiracy, then a lot of evidence had to be fabricated that's one of the hardest that like people who think that there's no conspiracy one of the main things is they're like look the government would never fabricate evidence like that like there's just not that many psychos in the government like maybe a few but that and that's a compelling point but if people believe what they're doing is genuinely the right thing and they're saving millions of lives by doing it and they better keep their mouths shut that presents a different picture a little bit so that's the second layer of the onion the third layer is you know what actually happened and that's we can talk about that as we get to it. But
1: yeah, well, I guess we'll keep moving on yeah. the, kind of the the, the tie in of who is Kennedy slash, mm-hmm. you know, what what enemies yeah. has he made kind of along the way. Right.
2: OK, so so let's so, so let's let's just hit with the enemies. This is probably the easiest. So we've talked about uh, Cuban exiles. We talked about anti Castro Cubans. Uh, I'm sorry, Cuban exiles, which is our anti Castro. We talked about the Cuban government and the Russian government. Both of those are based on uh, the official story, Mexico City. Um, and then the fourth would be um, the CIA. That That's a big one. Uh, and so what people say specifically is the CIA was already working with number five, the mafia. Okay. Uh, and Cuban exiles. So there's this project called ZR rifle to assassinate uh, Fidel Castro. And it was led by Bill Harvey and the idea what uh you know people who subscribe to this theory say and i I think it's a credible theory worth looking into uh is that they took zr rifle which is the cia working with the mafia and cuban exiles and turned it from castro inward against kennedy so so that's that's basically the the cia plot idea i mean there's a lot of different ones people believe crazy things so anyway but that's five uh so five would be the mafia and the mafia uh, real real
1: quick on the CIA. I want to back okay. up. Uh, I do believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Kennedy broke up Operation Northwoods, correct? Which was a CIA yeah, he, pro- projected plan, right?
2: He didn't approve it. I don't know if it was the CIA or if it was the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. I'm not sure, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. the powers that be, yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, he, he he declined that uh that plan. So yeah,
1: and if I remember correctly, it was a little bit more the decline, like he was. Like, offended it was even being uh-huh.
2: proposed. <laughs> yeah, so like, let's get to that. So, okay, we, we talked about Mafia as five. So, six would be uh, the Joint Chiefs, the military mm. itself, right? Um, he, the, they just wouldn't listen to him. You yeah. know what I mean? He didn't really have control of the CIA, but he also had a hell of a time getting the military to listen to him. So, specifically, uh, uh, National Security Action Memorandum 263 to withdraw from Vietnam. Uh, He had been requesting that uh, months and months and months in advance and, and they just didn't get it done. So, I mean, they just were just defying him uh, from, from withdrawing. Which, 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 which,
1: uh, which really echoes Trump too. Not to, not to compare the two, but Trump. uh, I don't remember which specific engagement, there was some engagement, maybe it was serious I don't remember. One one of the ones, there was one that he was very clear, like we're getting the fuck out and they're like, okay. And then they just kind of did not and players games with them. So, yeah, no, and, and then they bragged about it later to the press. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, I recall that. You're right. Yeah, That's I can't which. Yeah, which is which is wild uh, that you know because that is technically supposed to be within the purview of the president to be able to you know determine you know those type of engagements. So the idea you know there's this, people have this 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 idea of what the government is, and then but then there's this real what the government is because right. like you know I don't know, for example I don't remember, I think I was even talking to Clint the other day about something I think we we're talking about um sovereign citizens that people are like well theoretically in the constitution blah, blah 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 I don't have to do this It's like okay well yeah maybe constitutionally this is right but at the end of the day what the law is is what they enforce it's not right. what you like what is like what you in your head think i'm uh. sure you as a lawyer understand this it's like okay right. yeah maybe i agree with you but let's be real this is not going to fly in court <laughs> like sure. yeah. yeah so like they're not going to enforce this so but, so uh, sorry.
2: So we have got six so far. So we got Cuban exiles, uh, Cuba, Russia, uh, uh, CIA, Mafia, Joint Chiefs. That's six. All right. Can seven. We, can we back
1: up to Mafia because we just mentioned Mafia yeah. and we didn't really to say why. I, I want to say problem. why. I, I think I know a little bit why because I know I believe I remember correctly his family, like you mentioned, Prohibition, et cetera, et cetera. He kind of has roots in there, so I think they felt a little bit betrayed that he wasn't really completely yeah. on Team Mafia. But I'll I'll
2: let you present it. So specifically, yeah, that I mean, he was, uh, uh, you know, beloved but beloved by the mafia uh, in, in Chicago in particular, Sam Giancana. I mean, Nixon was a mafia guy. Okay, Nixon was the mafia was the mafia's main guy because Nixon had reached out uh, through um, this guy named uh, Mayhew, uh, Howard Hughes, uh, <laughs> like Howard Hughes' right hand man. Uh, to the the mafia basically to work with the CIA on these operations because the mafia had been when uh, the uh, revolution happened in Cuba and Castro took over and kicked out Batista, the uh, the mafia lost their casinos in Cuba. So that that's the whole that's why they gave it. That's why they cared about Cuba. Um, so, so anyway, so he had reached out. So Nixon was really pro-mafia pro, pro mafia more than, than Kennedy was. But anyway, uh, the this, this specific issue is what, was, was what his brother Bobby was doing. I mean, he was coming for the, the mafia leaders, in particular, Carlos Marcello and, uh, Carlos Marcello and, uh, I'm sorry, Marcello, there's a restaurant in Columbus, Ohio, called Marcello's, and I was <laughs> Mar- Carlos Marcello. Um, and he actually uh, deported him to Guatemala. I don't think he's from Guatemala and dropped him out of a helicopter. Um,
1: Pinochet style or like survive style? (laughs) Like survival style.
2: Okay. He got injured. And, and then, and then he had to, uh, uh, he had to basically like get back to civilization and, and he came back in the country and he's basically just like, no, he's, he's gone. So, so, you know, and, and he later confessed to killing JFK on tape in prison. So he he's, he, you know, so those tapes from the National Archives, they haven't been released. The audio tapes haven't been released, but the transcripts have been released. Mm-hmm. So but then it comes down to, like, there, there's a question of, like, what started the thing? So let's say there was a conspiracy. What started it rolling? And and I mean, Marcello says that, you know, he did it. And he, I think it's true. He wanted him dead. But there's no way you could you could have covered all these things up without the involvement of the government, uh, or some government at, at a high level. So, yeah, the mafia is is definitely worth looking at. But they, they wanted to take out Bobby, but they realized they needed to take out John and then maybe Bobby if, if they had to, um, yeah. you know, is the argument for the mafia. So and the mafia- on, the,
1: on the Bobby thing, I do want to provide an emphasis and correct me if I'm wrong. I believe. John, and I think this is actually a smart move, and I know a lot of people, and I'm not a big Trump fan, but a lot of people people criticize uh, Trump for it, but he brought his family a lot into the mix. And I know JFK kind of did the same thing, uh, where the idea is because these are people you can trust. It's almost like maybe uh, John F. Kennedy kind of had this idea of like, hey, I'm in this place, and I'm kind of in foreign territory, and these people aren't really doing what I'm wanting to, so I want to surround myself with trusted people, like family. So uh, because I know that's one it seems to be a point that I see repeated frequently whenever I look at JFK is that he brought in family and let them take on a larger role than typical when it came on to uh, came to presidents. Correct me if I'm wrong, because, yeah, uh, yeah. so that's kind of a point, you know,
2: I I know with Bobby, you know, Robert Kennedy in particular, uh, he was um, relied on him intensely. I mean they, they, uh, you know, the Cuban missile crisis was, were the two of them together. I mean, he was obviously his, was his brother and he's there in the white house with him his, his top advisor really. Um, but, but so the mafia, that, that was their, that was their main beef is they were being attacked. Right. So that's number seven, number eight would be the FBI. Uh, the FBI is, I mean, so the argument, I mean, I've heard a lot of different arguments, but you know, Jagger Hoover, uh, was was gay and they had you know pictures that that made that clear and at that time that would have been you know uh a career ender for him yeah so um so anyway uh i think he was worried that if this is one thing i've heard if, if he is forced to continually to go hard after the mafia they're going to expose him because he didn't want to have to keep going after the mafia either but then there's also just the okay even if that's not true J. Edgar Hoover just wanted to be at the center of power and he mm-hmm. had a um, sort of an ongoing rivalry with the CIA uh, for sure. Um, and yeah. that's, that is best illustrated by uh, uh, James Seibert and uh, I forgot the O'Neill's first name, but Seibert and O'Neill, he, he sent two FBI agents to the autopsy to take, to take notes for Hoover that were just like his two personal guys. And so that's really revealing because everything that they write is like consistent with what the Dallas doctor says and not consistent with the autopsy on
1: on the Hoover's gay thing. From the little bits of like, especially like to be fair, like I've looked at this a lot through like in the conspiracy world, so maybe I'm wrong. It's my impression that Hoover was like, like, flagrantly not, not, not flagrantly in like a but, like, he wasn't really putting too much effort in really concealing it because to the extent that he was – he had dirt on everyone is the idea that I had, so that uh, I yeah, – my impression. To, and so he really wasn't trying too hard to hide it because he was – like, he was – God, I wish I remembered more of this because I, I have looked at this before. But I know he, he did a lot of crazy shit, like, in that arena. And I have no problem with people being gay. But the right. idea was that he was so, like – so brazen about it, like I'm not saying he was like a, a flaming in like you know in, in the White House or whatever, but he he would openly do stuff that and not really put too much effort to conceal it because he had dirt on everyone and he had control of the FBI. Like hmm. this is the kind of person we're talking about, he, and uh, Hoover is is an interesting case. I, I know that for for sure, but yeah, I don't know if you it have is. any thoughts on that. I just wanted to mention that for people out there because I think that that says something to the psyche of the individual we're talking about.
2: Who, that's a that's a deeper dive for me. Yeah. To, I mean, mo- most of what I know about the FBI's involvement, aside from the investigation itself and specific FBI agents and specific FBI reports about specific things, um, I you know, I need to get my head around the yeah. J Edgar Hoover angle. But he, but but the FBI is definitely another uh, potential conspirator. Um, another one would be the Secret Service. So, oh my gosh, man! Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna upset a lot of people here. But uh I don't think that the driver shot him.
1: I, I always thought that was wild. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't think that's that crazy. I honestly, I that's almost on par with like, I mean, maybe not to that extent, but like almost like people say like holograms for 911 or something. Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah
2: <laughs> yes. So it's silly. So, exactly right, yeah. and. And uh, and they go so again TikTok. All right, so I I, I did an inventory of the comments. I'm like, what's the general vibe people are saying? I'm like, this is an in, informal poll. I had like 500 comments or something. I'm like, let's take a little informal poll. What is this? And uh, it's like I would say probably 20 percent of people are just they go so hard on the Secret Service did it, and they all cite the same documentary that's currently on Netflix. There's a documentary on Netflix about how the Secret Service did it. Okay. And they, they go, look, if you look at this Bruder film, look, this, this driver, he turns around and JFK hit her. And the whole Warren report is true. Every part of the Warren report is true. Okay. But incidentally, the Secret Service driver turned around and accidentally blew his head off. Okay. But the problem is none of the ballistics match that. Uh, and the bigger issue is the federal government's not going to cover – like. You're not. You can't cover it up if it was an accident. They would just be like, "Oh, what a tragedy." Maybe he wouldn't have to serve time somehow, but like they would throw that guy under the bus in a split second. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's just, it's just anyway. also
1: that would be way too flagrant. Like it's because like I mean, not that it, I guess. I mean, maybe they wouldn't know they're being videotaped, but the idea that you could, um, you know, inconspicuously just shoot him from that angle, like it's just like I don't know. It's silly. Like and I. I've people say it's an accident.
2: It, huh? They people say that it was an accident. That that's what that's what the argument is. That's what it's just so you're wild. Just, anyway, wild yeah. just wildly firing. It makes no sense. <laughs> like- <laughs> the, yeah, the bigger, more credible. There's a guy named Vince Palamara, and he's the guy. P A L A M A R A. He's got a great YouTube channel. Um, he's got a lot of awesome, like original content on there, and some research content he's the guy on uh, the, the uh, secret service, everything it has to do with the secret service uh, and the Kennedy assassination. He's, he's interviewed all of the living secret service agents going back to like the nineties. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so basically he, he kind of lays out a lot of, you know, his, his views on things. And this is something that I haven't looked at the primary evidence. I'm kind of just relying a lot on what Vince says, but he's definitely an incredible guy. Um, and and, it, and it's basically uh it, the issues with the Secret Service are around why did the driver stop? There's like 70 people that say that the car stopped, right? And then there's a, there's a photo that shows the taillights. But if you watch this, Zapruder film. It doesn't stop. So that raises questions. Well, what the hell is going on here? And, and this is stop?
1: also after the first shot, right? That's the idea is that it's already been yeah.
2: shot. He stopped. Yeah. And
1: to be yeah. fair, like, obviously, you could say rationally, the move would be a speed up and get the fuck out of there. Mm. But... I mean people don't always react as- ra- react rationally in situations like that. I could totally right. see someone stopping to try to be like assess the right. situation. So sure, I mean, exactly. it's it's silly. Like you know yep. you know. That's
2: so, true. Yeah, um, but um the secret service would always and this is something that happens that's happened recently. Secret service would always like get hammered the night before and I'll be hungover. But that's like that's not really disputed in any way. It's just the truth, okay?
1: Yeah. Um, and I do want to make a point too cuz people may make the point like, well, they're secret service and they're super trained and blah, 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 blah. Like, I don't know. I I was, I did 11 years active duty military. I mean, do do me wrong. I was just a monk, uh, uh, a grease monkey. I was a a mechanic, but like, and you're a lawyer, like uh, my impression of the, the government in general is that's not always the case. Don't get me wrong. Especially like I was never in some elite unit, but even my impression of like quote unquote elite units is like when you're in government, it doesn't always work like that. Like you don't like, yeah. I mean, maybe like, maybe they're all, you know, highly tuned machines, but I kind of doubt it. I also feel like there's still a chance that they're human. They're going to make mistakes. They're all, it's also, they glo- a lot of times we glorify things to, to make them mm-hmm. to be what they want. We
2: want them to yeah. be. So yeah. Yeah. the other thing on the secret service on the day of the assassin and the motorcade, usually there were uh motorcycles that would be, um, in front of like immediately to the right and left of the car, not just behind it. They were behind it like a like a flying V. OK, if you look at this recruiter film, but there should have been next to it. That, that's how it was in other motorcades. Yeah. And they also didn't have anyone positioned in these in these buildings. So there was there's no Secret Service agents that weren't part of the motorcade which gets real weird when you have three witnesses who say they saw a Secret Service agent flash a badge at the top of the grassy knoll immediately after the shots were fired.
1: Okay. All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> now, 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 what would be the motivations? Because, I mean, you, you said they had the impossible means, although I find that to be a little bit incredulous. Uh, but... Secret Service? Yeah. What would be their motivation? Do they have any motivation to have issues with them? Or, or just maybe they were in cahoots with other agencies? But or- Yeah.
2: What, um, one second. Sorry, (laughs) sorry. Yeah. Okay. Um, I I, I'm I'm right behind a, I'm I'm near a sump pump and it's raining outside. (laughs) Um, so the secret service, there's no scenario where the secret service did it alone. That's not a thing. Okay. The secret service is like an add on. It's like Mm -hmm. a, it's like a, a topping to your, to your ice cream cone. Okay. Um, but but again, I don't I don't want to get too far you know out, out of turn. It's the the issues of the Secret Service are just more of um, a couple of individuals. You know there are some there are some key people there who weren't there, um, and I would just refer anybody that's interested in that side of it to Vince Palomara. He's got all the primary information. We'll get to that eventually, but that's uh, that's you know probably a hundred podcasts away. Um, uh, so yeah. And who who have we not covered yet? Uh, Texas oil. So okay. that's a big one. Um, he was going to do away with the oil depletion allowance, uh, which basically it would have cost all these, these uh, people that owned all this oil, hundreds of a hundred million dollars over a period of years, I think was the number. So it, it would have been a real you know, material change and, and, Johnson ended up not doing that, um, so so that's another thing. Uh, and then there's and then if there's Vietnam and all that, but that sort of goes back to the military. It's kind of the same thing. So those those are the those are the key players. People say I went to the, I went to the uh, JFK conference this year in Dallas, um, and uh, the Citizens Against Political Assassinations, Kappa. Uh, and there's a guy there who thinks Israel did it. Um, but there's just not any, there's not any evidence
1: (laughs) of that. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Israel has done some fucky shit over the years, but I mean, you gotta provide me some evidence, you
2: know? You you, you have to. So, I mean, I'm just trying to think of who else. I mean, people talk about the umbrella man, which is interesting. The umbrella man is interesting, but the umbrella man is not. Related to the, I mean, maybe related to the assassination, possibly. I don't know. But, but he certainly wasn't about to shoot a dart from his umbrella. <laughs> yeah. I'll say that. So, anyway, th- those are the, the key. Sorry, I'm all over the place, but those are the, no, the main suspects, if you will. And then Oswald. And yeah. the, 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 uh, argument against Oswald is that, uh, he was a, uh, uh he, first of all, he's just a terrible person. He hates everybody he's ever interacted with. Uh, Beats his wife. Um, and he was a communist, uh, and in fact, he's handing out pamphlets for the Fair Play for Cuba Committee in New Orleans. Um, and he basically, uh, you know he defected to the Soviet Union. like, what more do you want? and And basically, he's just this crazy communist, and he wanted to kill the president because, he wanted to show that he could be somebody and he could really get back at capitalism or whatever. Uh, so that's, that's the main argument is just, it's a little bit that he was crazy and it's a little bit that like, he wanted to kill him to make a name for himself kind of argument.
1: Yeah. Well, all right. Uh, we, like I said, we are gonna do characters, but I mean, we're already an hour and I'm fine with that. I think maybe next episode we'll probably focus on Oswald maybe the following episode, uh, maybe we'll even focus more on Oswald and kind of get into the minutia of that as opposed to just focusing the characters now. And I'm fine with, you know, doing it this way. This is completely cool. Uh, this is great, but I do have a couple Patreon questions I did yeah. want to bring up. Uh, so, you know, just so people know, um, if you're on the $5 level on Patreon, I do put out for every episode I put out, you get to make, you get to put up questions if you'd like to. I also give you a code because of the private streams. You can just drop a code in there to let me know you're on the $5 level. I'll give you a little, like, whatever code. I forget what this one was. And you can put it in the stream. And if you show up for the stream, uh, I'll read it, you know, kind of treat it like a super chat. But uh, this is what I have. What does what do you think is the significance of General LeMay supervising the autopsy? I and mean, I don't even know who General LeMay is, so maybe you can illuminate on, us on that. And, uh, you know, uh, and there's a follow-up on after that, and that'll be it. Uh,
2: yeah Kurt, Curtis LeMay was the head of the Air Force um he uh, did in fact he, he, he was there in the uh, in the autopsy room. We know that from one of the orderlies who came forth uh, to the assassination records review board um Paul O'Connor, I believe his name is and and basically he, there was a guy who was smoking a cigar in the autopsy room. Uh, and, and so the orderly walks over, you know, the doctor's like, tell him to put that out. It's ridiculous. The orderly walks over and says, sir, please, please put that cigar out. You know, we're trying to do an autopsy here. And LeMay takes a, takes a big puff of it and just blows it right in the guy's face. And he doesn't say a word. And then he's he's like, I I read the name and it said, it said, uh, LeMay (laughs) (laughs) like, I knew who he was. So I walked away. Um, (laughs) Uh, And we know that, so uh, to answer the question, what's the significance? I mean, the significance is that that doesn't look good if you want to say that all the evidence is pure and in good faith. I I think that's the, I mean, I think it doesn't prove it's not a smoking gun. It says, oh, there must be a conspiracy because LeMay was there. But first of all, what would have been better would would be if they had someone who had ever done an autopsy uh, of a gunshot wound do the autopsy. The two doctors that they got were two of the youngest, the youngest doctors, uh, Humes and um, Boswell, and then they they brought in a forensic pathologist, uh, Pierre Fink, who actually had some experience with gunshot wounds the next day. Um, but but they, I mean, and even Warren Report defenders will say, you know, the autopsy was completely botched. Um, but but yeah, back to Lemay. I mean, you would have they would have had. The right way to do it would be have someone who has experienced doing this and certainly not have, you know, one of the potential alleged conspirators quarterbacking what to do next. And because they're actually telling him, you, know, you said he was overseeing the autopsy. What was he doing? He was saying, stop, don't make that incision. That's enough. Move on to the next one. It was like literally, you know, giving orders out and all this came out during uh i believe it was pierre fink's testimony maybe some of the other doctors during the garrison investigation so this is all stuff that's on the record um, so we
1: had the head of the air force and two young impressionable uh probably easily to man- manipulate uh like young doctors that were, were right. heading that were doing the autopsy and so, a lot, there was
2: it, like 25 people total in there it was real crowded
1: yeah so that that does paint a picture for sure um now the follow-up question they they said which i I mean who made the call the military would be controlling the autopsy do do you know that
2: that's a good question i don't okay i don't know you'd be speculating i mean the the best research on this that i've seen is a guy named doug horn h-o-r-n-e he was one he was the head researcher for the Assassination Records Review Board of all military records. So his job uh, for between 1994 and 1998, uh, and, and he had subpoena power, was to basically go around to the military and get all the JFK documents and then depose people that, you know. So he 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 found out all kinds of crazy stuff. When it comes to LeMay, one of the things he found out is that uh, Lemay had told everyone that he was in Michigan that day. He told his family he was hunting in Michigan that day, and he actually was visiting some top secret Air- Canadian Air Force base. And we know because they Doug Horn actually got the uh, the flight logs during the ARRB. So uh, you know, and there was his uh, his his uh, assistant was in Dallas with the president and was trying urgently to reach Lemay, but he couldn't reach Lemay. And Lemay landed. Lemay landed an hour and a half before Kennedy's body arrived, so he he was definitely there and overseeing it. Who told him to do that? I, I would be speculating. I don't know.
1: Okay. Well, all right. Uh, I, I would go further, but I, I think if we dug it any more, we'd be we'd be buying off a whole lot more that we can tune this episode. Uh, I think probably in the next episode we will probably start going to Oswald. Um, can you go ahead and drop your plugs, let people know where to find you, sure. uh, et cetera, et cetera, and we'll, we'll get out of here.
2: Yeah. Thanks Jose. Uh, Solving JFK podcast uh, is what it's called and we're available anywhere you can listen to podcasts. We are on YouTube, um, but uh, it's mostly an audio thing. Uh, If you go to Instagram or TikTok, I have a lot of uh, uh, video content. I I try to put out uh, a a two to three minute video once a week that deals with whatever the the week's episode is. Uh, And we're just going, uh, we're going to Look at all the evidence in the Texas Schoolbook Depository building at Parkland, at uh, the J.D. Tippett murder scene, the Texas Theater, and then the Dallas Jail. That's what we're looking at, season one. And then we go, what are the open questions? Where does this lead us? What do we have to look at next? Um, so that's it, man. I appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk about it.
1: Oh, I appreciate you coming on. I would highly suggest that I've checked out all your content. You hit me up and are like, "Hey, you know uh, JFK is hot. Let's let's talk about this." And I checked out all your content. I can, I can verify it's, you know, it's fairly c- covered, you know, definitely you, you do it like, you know, you, you, you provide all the sources, et cetera, et cetera. I would definitely have to suggest it to anyone. But for those who, you know, want to, you know, check out more of my stuff, if it's like, say, your first time going on, this is, I am on YouTube, all the major auto pockets, obviously, as well. If you want to follow me, you can go to at Tower Gang Jose. I just changed it, uh, you know, uh, instead of that stupid Senor Jose thing, because I've been, you know, this is like my third account on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook if you want to back up. I know you know if you really want to follow me and you want to you know just make sure in case I got nuked off Twitter again, you have it backup. up. I'm um, Jose Gallison on there. If you want to support me, patreoncom Snowy jose 2020 Make sure to hit that like button, share, subscribe, comment all that good stuff. I appreciate you coming on, Matt. We'll definitely follow up and do more episodes. Uh, you know we'll we'll go as yep. deep as uh, deep as it uh, feels feels we need to. 20 of these. We'll, we'll see. (laughs) I appreciate your time. Uh, We'll definitely be talking about Oswald more probably next episode. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. Oswald's a curious case for sure. And with that, we are out. All right, cool.